Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Pastor challenged all the youth to get up this morning and put on their Sunday best. And so I thought, if the youth can do this, then I can do it too. So I have my suit on, and uh, if you don't have a suit on, that's okay if you don't look as good as we do. And if you're in your PJs, that's all right too. Uh, it's your heart that God looks at. And so we're going to have a, a great time in the Lord. I really do feel like God has given me a special word for you this morning. I want to begin by drawing an analogy from uh, kind of a fairy tale, uh, one of the storybooks. But we've all heard the story of the Grinch that stole Christmas. Well, we're living through the coronavirus that stole Easter, or at least is trying to steal Easter. Now, in most renditions of the story of the Grinch, he finally realizes the real meaning of Christmas, but it takes a while. First of all, he hatches out a plan to steal all the presents, and then he steals all the Christmas decorations, and then the Grinch steals all the food for the Christmas feast, and he says, there, that does it, that should spoil the day. But he was wrong. When the Grinch hears them singing for joy like angels, even though all the presents are gone, it's at that moment that the Grinch realizes that you can't steal the real meaning of Christmas. Well, child of God, the coronavirus cannot steal the real meaning of Easter. For those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that deep, glorious uh, celebration of our risen Savior. Now, like the story of the Grinch, it really does feel like a lot has been taken from us. But I want to tell you what has not been taken from us and can never be taken from us. And that is that wonderful, glorious truth that he is risen, that our Savior is alive. And because he conquered death, we can conquer death. And because he got up and walked out of that grave alive, we can get up and walk out of our graves alive. I tell you, here at River of Life, our praise team is absolutely beyond amazing. I love so many of the songs they, they lead us in, but one of my favorite songs that they sing here on this stage when we're all in the house is this, ain't no grave going to hold this body down. Ain't no grave going to hold this body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm going to rise up out of the ground. Ain't no grave going to hold this body down. Ain't no grave going to hold this body down. And then the part of the song I like the best goes like this. Oh, if you walked out of that grave, I'm walking too. If you walked out of that grave, I'm walking too. If you walked out of that grave, I'm walking too. Child of God, listen to me this morning, this wonderful, glorious Easter Sunday morning, when our Savior got up and walked out of that grave alive. 
after all that they had done to silence him, to stop him, to kill him, to destroy his message, when he got up and walked out of that grave alive, demonstrating the power of the resurrection, he communicated with us, all of us, that if we would put our faith and trust in him, that we can walk out of any grave the enemy has for us. We can get up and walk out through the power of the resurrection. And, and get this, one of these days we won't just walk out of our graves. One of these days we will fly out of our graves. We will fly to meet the Lord in the air. That's what the Bible tells us. Every now and then somebody will ask me, Pastor, do you believe we'll be able to fly when we get to heaven? Child of God, you'll fly before you get to heaven. When you leave this earth, you will take your flight and you will go to the Lord and you will meet him in the air and it will be awesome. And the way we know that all of these things that we're reading in the Bible is true is because he got up and walked out of that grave alive. Death couldn't hold him. I love the words of the great S.M. Lockridge. He had a way with words like nobody else. This is what he said. He said the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. (laughs) He said Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. And then he says, that's my king. That's my king. Oh, that's our king. Our risen, glorious, conquering king. That's who he is to us. And we have, in spite of all the circumstances, we have so much to be thankful for on this Easter Sunday morning. Now, as we turn to the Word of God, I want to share something with you this morning that the Lord pointed out to me a couple of weeks ago. And I tell you, this thrilled my soul when I, when I read these passages of Scripture And it also opened my eyes to something that we will do when we all get back together in this building together again. And I hope and pray that won't be long. I want to talk to you about the Passover. Now, for those of you who are new to the Bible, the Passover was the yearly celebration of the Jewish nation that commemorated their deliverance from Egypt. They would take the Passover lamb, the lamb would be slain, that blood would represent their deliverance from Egypt. You remember back originally, if you've read your Bible, they put the blood over the doorpost and the death angel passed over. That's where the name comes from, Passover. The death angel would pass over and that household would be delivered. And because the nation did this, God delivered them and brought them out of bondage. So Passover was to celebrate the Jewish nation as it was their celebration to commemorate their deliverance from bondage in Egypt. Listen to this. We celebrate Easter as a remembrance of our deliverance from the bondage of sin. And there is a connection between the Passover and the Passion Week of our Lord that culminated in his glorious resurrection. Think about this. Both are about lambs. Both the Passover and our Easter celebration are about a lamb without blemish, Both are about a lamb that had to be slain. Both are about blood being the means of salvation. Both are about tragedy turned into triumph. 
Both are about deliverance from bondage. And both celebrations are death-to-life celebrations. Now, there's absolutely no doubt that God wanted us to make a connection between the two when we read 1 Corinthians 5-7. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. You see, they had a Passover lamb that they sacrificed, but Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. We don't celebrate Passover like they did because Jesus fulfilled it. He became our Passover lamb and shed his blood for us. The celebration of the Passover, listen to this. This is what caught my attention. The celebration of the Passover was so very important that if one member of the nation of Israel did not celebrate the Passover, they would be excommunicated and they would bear their own sin. Let me read it to you. This is Numbers 9, 13. But if anyone fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. Oh, this was serious. God was saying, you're going to celebrate the Passover on the the first month, the 14th day of each year. And this is so important that if you don't do this, if you fail to do this, then you will be excommunicated and you will bear your own sin. Now, here's where the problem comes in. They were getting ready to celebrate the Passover. And some of the men came to Moses and said, we are not clean. We're not ceremonially clean. And it's due to reasons beyond our control. And we can't take the Passover. And, and you got to understand, they were concerned about this. This is serious business. If they don't celebrate the Passover, they get excommunicated and they have to bear their own sin. But yet they were not prepared. They were not ceremonially clean. They could not take the Passover. And they told Moses, they said, well, you've got to help us here. We need help. We don't want to be cut off. Their hearts, they wanted to take the Passover, but they couldn't. So Moses says to them, let me talk to God. I'll go before the Lord, and I'll get an answer, and I'll bring it back to you. And so that's exactly what he does. He goes before the Lord. He presents the case before the Lord, and then we read the answer in Numbers 9, 9 through 11. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body or is on a long journey... He shall still keep the Passover to the Lord in the second month on the 14th day at twilight. They shall keep it. Now, listen to this. The Lord has set this holy, sacred standard. And the standard is you take the Passover at the designated time, and if you don't do it, you'll be excommunicated and you'll bear your own sin. But then God comes back with a but. But if you have a good reason for not taking 
the Passover, meaning it's not a heart problem. You're just involved in a circumstance beyond your control. If you have a good reason, God says, then you can celebrate a delayed Passover. And he says, not only that, I will bless it just like I do the one at the regular scheduled time. Now, Christians, listen to me. This is amazing. I find this fascinating that our God has this rigid and holy and sacred standard. It's his standard. And he says, if you break it, you're in trouble. But then God changes his own standard and he says, but if your hearts are set to serve me and things are beyond your circumstances that you can't control, God says, I'll bless you anyway. What an amazing God we serve. What an awesome God. What a compassionate God. His mercies are new every morning. And, and, and I was just lighting up as I was reading uh, some of this stuff. Now, what I found out in my study was this was not the only time they did not celebrate the Passover at the designated time. There's one place where the entire nation of Israel celebrated it a month late. King Hezekiah, uh, this can all be found in Numbers, the 30th chapter, excuse me, uh, the 30th chapter of Second Chronicles. And Hezekiah is king, and Hezekiah gets up and he makes this announcement. He said, we will celebrate Passover this year one month late. Not when we're supposed to do it. The whole nation will do it one month late. And here's the deal. They didn't even have a good reason. In fact, the reason for not celebrating it when they were supposed to celebrate it was a bad reason. An embarrassing reason. I will read it to you. Here's what it says. Second Chronicles 30 verse 3. For they could not keep it, the Passover, at that time, that's the 14th day of the first month, because the priest had not consecrated themselves in sufficient number, nor had the people assembled in Jerusalem. They couldn't celebrate the Passover because the priest had not prepared and the people didn't even show up. Man, this is wide-scale neglect. And, and when you read it in context, it seems like this neglect had been going on for a long time. And so they couldn't celebrate it at the designated time. And if you think about it, according to the original standard of God, that means that the entire nation of Israel was in danger of being excommunicated from the family of God and bearing their own sins. But here's the deal. Hezekiah was trying to lead the nation back to the Lord. Hezekiah was trying to start a movement, a renewal, a revival. Hezekiah was putting out a cry that we need to do this. We, we missed the designated time. Let's do a delayed Passover and, and let's take this time to get our hearts right with the Lord and let's have Passover. So what Hezekiah did is he took runners, as they would do in that day, and he sends these runners out all over the nation. They went north, south, east, and west. And these heralds would go out and they, would, they were telling the whole nation, King Hezekiah is calling all of us to Jerusalem. We will have Passover. It won't be at the regular time. It'll be a delayed time. It'll be a delayed Passover. But we will have Passover in Jerusalem next month. 
And here's what the Bible tells us. That people laughed at these runners. They laughed at them. They made fun of them. One passage of Scripture says they mocked them. I want to share something with you right at this moment before we move on. And that is, this is always the case. No matter the generation, no matter the nation, no matter the circumstances, when somebody decides to get right with God, when somebody decides to start a movement, to start a renewal, when somebody decides to start a revival, when you as an individual make up your mind to get right with God, there will always be those who will laugh and make fun and mock. It's always been that way. That's the way the enemy operates. But I want to encourage you, don't let that bother you. I'd rather people be laughing at me on my way to heaven than applauding me on my way to hell. Oh, it's time to serve the Lord, don't you think? It's time for us. Listen, I, know, I don't like what's going on, but, but let's take advantage of it and use it for the glory of God. Now, as we go on with the story, many of them did come to Jerusalem. There were a lot who laughed and made fun and rejected the king's request, but many of them did come to Jerusalem and they celebrated Passover. Listen to Second Chronicles 30 verse 15. And they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the second month. That's the wrong month. But the king delayed it. And the priest and the Levites were ashamed. So they consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. The priests were ashamed, so they consecrated themselves. You see, they got together to have Passover, and the priests were ashamed of how they had lived and how they had led and what they had done. And the priests were ashamed, and they consecrated themselves. Hear me. When we seek to get right with God, this will be true of us also, not just these priests, but when we seek to get right with God, when we go to the Lord in true repentance, I'm not talking about whispering a prayer, but we humble our hearts before God and we start cleaning up our act and we get right with God. When that happens, friends, we are ashamed of what we were, but excited about what we will be. Did you know that you can be ashamed of your past and excited about your future at the same time? When true repentance takes place in a person's life or in a church or in a nation, when true repentance takes place, there is a defining moment that separates from us from our past and sends us into a new day walking with the Lord. I want to tell you, if you need a defining moment in your life right now, repentance is the answer to separate you from your past and to send you into a new day where you're walking with the Lord. Now, this story is not over. Here's what we learn when you read the whole passage of Scripture, and that is that many of those who were willing, many of those who were willing to humble their hearts, and they wanted to obey the king, when they got to Jerusalem, they found out they couldn't take the Passover either. They were not ceremonially clean. They had not made preparation the right way. And, and, and so they cry out to the king. They said, we came to take the Passover, but now we can't take it. Listen to what Hezekiah said. And I, I love the way Hezekiah handled this. He tells everybody at Jerusalem, nope, we're all taking the Passover. Everybody. Even if you're ready, even if you're not ready, even if you've prepared, even if you haven't prepared, 
The only thing that's required is your heart has to be right with the Lord. You have to set your heart to seek the Lord. And if you'll set your heart to seek the Lord, he said, I will pray for you, and God's going to bless us, and even though we have not done what we should have done, we'll celebrate the Passover, and I'm going to ask God to bless it. Now, we actually have the prayer that Hezekiah prayed, and this is beautiful. Second Chronicles 30, verses 18 through 20. This is what he said. May the good Lord pardon everyone... This is key now, who sets his heart to seek God. May the good Lord pardon everyone who sets his heart to seek God, the Lord, the God of his fathers, even though not according to the sanctuary's rules of cleanness. In other words, even though they haven't followed the full standard of God, they haven't obeyed to the letter of the law. And notice what it says, And the Lord heard Hezekiah, and heal the people. Now, listen, they had the Passover there in Jerusalem on the wrong month, the wrong way, ill-prepared. They had failed in just about every way. But if you will take time to go back and read this, God so blessed them in Jerusalem and so poured out his anointing, and so poured out his Holy Spirit on them in Jerusalem. And it was such a glorious Passover. The Bible tells us that the people would not leave, and they extended the celebration of the Passover an extra seven days. They couldn't leave. I tell you, there's something beautiful about getting into the presence of God. You don't want to leave. I always worry when people can't wait to get out of church. Some, something's wrong there. When you get in the presence of God, you don't want to leave. We tease around here all the time. When we have a great, glowing, glorious service and the Holy Spirit shows up in this house, you can't hardly run people off. We'll start flashing the lights to try to get them out of the building. And sometimes that doesn't work. But I, I, got, I got to tell you, they did not want to leave. What does this tell us? What do we learn about our God in this? Yes, we learn a lot. Yes, we learn that our God has holy and sacred and rigid standards. And those standards are very important. And we should seek with all the help that God will give us to abide by those glorious, holy, pure standards. But the fact is, we all end up falling short, don't we? We all fail. We all blow it. We all make mistakes. I can't tell you how many times, even recently, I've had to hit my knees and say, God, have mercy upon me. Forgive me. But here's the good news, friends. God has these wonderful, glorious, holy standards. But he also looks at our hearts. He looks at your heart. And people who set their hearts to seek the Lord God, oh, he pays attention to that. And listen, When we set our hearts to seek the Lord our God, God finds a way of redemption and restoration. Actually, that's what the Passover was all about. That's what Easter is all about. God making a way for those who have already failed to walk with him. If you set your heart to seek the Lord. Wow. 
God will get involved. I, I want to take a moment to speak to maybe just one person. If you're struggling right now, if you fail more times than you can even remember, if you feel like there's no hope for you, if you feel like it's over, that's a lie from the enemy. Here's what you have to do. Set your heart to seek the Lord your God. And if you'll set your heart to seek him, then I tell you based upon the authority of this word, upon all the teachings of the word of God, you will find him. You'll find him in salvation. You'll find him in rededication. You'll find him in renewal. You'll find him in revival. You'll find him in ways of victory like you never dreamed possible. That time of seeking the Lord in repentance will, as I said a moment ago, separate you from your past and send you into a new day where you are walking with the Lord. Now, let me tell you what came to my mind, and I believe God gave me this. And that is, if they could celebrate a delayed Passover, then we can celebrate a delayed Easter. Now, I know today is Easter. I put my suit on. It feels like Easter. I, 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 I wish we had a full house, but we don't. But this is Easter, and we should celebrate it. But why not have a delayed Easter also? Why not have an Easter service planned for when we all meet back in this building and we're here in the worship center? So, so I want to tell you, as your pastor, I'm preparing for a second Easter service in 2020. For 50 years, many of you can say this, for 50 years I've never missed an Easter service. Now I'm not planning on missing one this year. I'm believing that God's going to bless an Easter service where we all get back together in this house and we're going to have one of the greatest Easter services, maybe the greatest. Remember, they did everything wrong with this Passover and it turned out to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest Passover celebrations that the nation had ever had. I believe we're going to have that kind of celebration in this house. Now, somebody did give me a warning. They said we cannot have an hour and a half service when we get back together. They were going to need about a three and a half hour service when we get back together. For the first hour and a half, people are just going to be hugging on each other and loving one another. Boy, I miss my hugs, don't you? They say you're not healthy if you don't have at least five hugs a day. I'm, I'm suffering right now. How about you? I'm, I want to hug somebody's neck. I've about had enough of this. We need to pray. Listen, I hope it won't be long. We'll be back in this house. And we will celebrate Easter in a glorious way. I'm excited about that. Now, if you haven't already, uh, please hurry up and grab your communion supplies. And we will celebrate communion together right now. And remember... Priscilla said it a few moments ago, but if you missed that announcement, if you don't have unleavened bread and, and grape juice, uh, you, can, you can use water and crackers if you want to. And, and again, I, I'm drawing the analogy. They did it all wrong with the Passover, and God just blessed it. Sometimes we do it, we don't have to do it the right way. What's he looking at? He's looking at your heart. Now, the first thing I'm going to ask you is... Obviously, you're watching this on a device. I'm going to ask you to cut all other devices off. 
You don't need any interruptions. When we come to the communion table, we do it with sincerity and we do it with focus and we do it with all of our hearts. It is not something to be done lightly, loosely, glibly. It is not, it's not something that we just do. It's something that we focus on. So turn your other devices off. And then the next thing that I want us to do right now is I want us to go before the Lord in repentance. I want us to ask God to forgive us. Did you know that the Bible says, let a man first examine himself before you come to the communion table? Even if it's here, even at your home, examine yourself personally. And one of the greatest verses to be found in all the New Testament is in this context. It says, examine yourselves, and then it says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Did you know that God says to us, if you're worried about the judgment of God on your life, I can tell you how to stop worrying about that. God says, if you will judge yourself, I won't judge you. Pass judgment on your own sin. Ask God to forgive you of what you've done wrong. Uh, just, just do a, a, a full-scale repentance before God. And this is a great time for us to do that. I want to lead you in, in a prayer that we've used here in the church in the past. It's just called a communion prayer. I wrote this out some time ago. And it's just a real simple prayer, but I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. We'll go through it slowly. We'll mean it with all of our hearts. We'll ask God to forgive us. Here it is. Heavenly Father, pray this with me. Through the blood of the eternal and everlasting covenant, I ask you to forgive me to cleanse me, to wash me, to cleanse my conscience. Prepare me to worship you in communion. As I celebrate communion today, I will remember what you did for me on Calvary and rejoice because I know I have been forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, you should have bread or crackers or something close by. I I sometimes think we miss the analogy where Jesus says that he broke the bread. I asked somebody to bring me a big loaf of bread, and uh, Jesus said to his disciples, the symbolism now, His body was about to be broken. And he took bread, and the Bible says he broke it like that. He broke the bread. And then he passed it to his disciples, and each of them would take a piece of the bread. And the Bible says that he gave thanks for the bread. Father, thank you for this bread. Father, thank you for what it means. Thank you for what it stands for. On one occasion, Jesus said, my flesh is food indeed. And another place he said, this is the manna that came down from heaven. Some of the scriptures that I love so much say that he bore our infirmities and he carried our sickness and by his stripes we are healed. 
I, I think we fall far short of understanding all that he accomplished for us when he gave his body. He, he, he says to them, and we'll all do this at the same time, so just wait for me. But he said, take and eat. This is my body. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. When he went to the cross, he went to the cross for you. He went to the cross for me. His body was given for us. And as we receive this bread, I want us to pray, Father, bless this bread. Bless it, Lord, as we receive it, that it would be as though we were receiving the very body of our Lord Jesus Christ. We receive this bread. We take this bread in remembrance of our Savior. Now, the Bible tells us in the same manner he took the cup and basically holds the cup up and he lets them know what the cup is. Listen to this. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is something new, something brand new, something that will change everything. Listen, there are people who still live up under the Jewish laws and the Jewish uh, covenant. And I think there's much to be learned by studying all of that. But Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant. We're under a new covenant. This, this is new. You, you remember, they sacrificed the lamb, the Passover lamb, to cover their sins. But the Bible says that he is our Passover lamb. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Father, bless this cup. Bless our people wherever they are in their homes as we're separated. Bless this cup, Lord. Bless us to understand that this represents our hope, that this sets us free, that this gives us a, a, a new covenant to live under a covenant of grace and mercy and salvation and hope and help and healing. Thank you, Lord. We receive this. We, we ask, Lord, as we take this, that there will be a refreshing of our own lives as we are covered in the blood of Jesus, washing every sin away. Jesus said, as often as you drink it, you do this in remembrance of me. And so that you will know that Jesus was not a victim through all of this, I read to you John 10, 17 and 18. Therefore, my Father loves me. These are the words of Jesus. Because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Oh, I love this. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received 
from my Father. As we close today, I want to share with you a song, the words of the song that were written before any of us were born. This song was written in 1874. Now I want to say to our praise team and our modern singers and writers, I love the songs we sing. But every generation has been writing songs about the power and the glory of our resurrected Lord. This is one of the first songs I ever remember hearing about Easter. Listen to these words. Now remember, 1874 was when this was written. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior. Waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. Vainly they watched his bed, Jesus my Savior. Vainly they sealed the dead, Jesus my Lord. Death cannot hold its prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. May the blessings of our risen Savior and Lord be upon every one of you this glorious day. God bless you. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.